everybody. So uh, welcome to episode 21 of The Used Gamers. Uh, my name's Mike. I'm going to be playing the host for this evening. With me tonight is Chris. Hello there. Unfortunately, Jared uh, was not able to make it because, well, he's having a baby. That's or, a pretty good I reason to not be here. His wife's having a baby. I guess that would be a little weird if he was ha- – that would be a better reason for not being here if he was actually <laughs> having a baby. So, you know, life gets in the way, you know, hence we haven't actually put out uh, an episode for a while, but we figured since it's been a while and obviously Jared might be out of commission for a little bit, uh, we might just go ahead and get uh, something in there. So me and Chris are going to come on, just talk about a couple of things. It's probably not going to be a full-fledged kind of episode, but we'll try and hit on a a couple of new things that have come out recently and just in gaming and even some stuff that we've been playing. Um, But definitely probably more discussion stuff than game stuff. Hopefully next episode uh, Jared will be back and we'll do a, a... a little bit more of a game-heavy episode for you guys. Um, but, uh, you know, for starters, you know, like I said, lots of uh, stuff coming out in the news. Really big announcement that I was very, 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 very excited about was Dragon Age Inquisition finally got a release date. Yay! Ooh. So it's going to be coming out October 7th. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, because of that and because of the fact that me and uh, Chris have actually just recently both been playing some uh, Dragon Age-related games, uh, we figured we'd talk a little bit about it. So... Um, you know, I obviously have talked probably a ton about Dragon Age and stuff, but this was actually your first time playing through Dragon Age 2, right? Yeah, so I, I think I mentioned on the podcast earlier that I was playing through the original Dragon Age, and um, I really didn't like it when I first started playing it, but then once I got in around the 8 to 10 hours, everything kind of clicked for me. Um, it, it's one of those things, it's the same way we joked about not knowing how to teleport out with the town scroll things in Diablo. I didn't understand that there was a function that allowed me to switch between party members like in real time and um once i figured that out i had a lot more fun because i got to play as a mage and as or as a rogue and then as a mage and as a warrior and just sort of experience everything at the same time um i really like the story of it um the graphics eh, i mean they were probably good for when it came out but um really really great game and um so i finally uh since i've been waylaid uh last week i had spinal surgery we're just a bunch of old men here at the used gamers um I've been home, so pretty much nonstop. So the last, like, 30 straight hours, I've been playing uh, Dragon Age 2. And um, I remember when I talked about Dragon Age and I had a bunch of reservations about it, you guys had said, you know, this is interesting because it sounds like a lot of what you're having issues with will be addressed in the second game. And the second game definitely, I don't know, universally, but pretty widely is accepted to have some pretty big flaws. And I think most people consider to be the lesser of the two games. Um, I definitely like certain aspects of it so far. And uh, when I say I'm playing it, I'm, I'm almost done with it. Like, I've, I'm sure I have less than an hour left. Like, I have already, I'm, I'm, I'm at the end point. There's no turning back at this point. So once we're done recording this podcast, I'm going to go beat Dragon Age 2. But um, <laughs> I, I like that the combat is a little bit speedier. Um, I found that I don't like that, and maybe this is a setting, or maybe I'm just missing something, but I've noticed if, if I sort of stop in the middle of battle, whatever character I'm controlling stops too. And in the first Dragon Age, I think it just kind of auto-battles if you don't do anything else. Is that right, or is that just yeah, me? Yeah, um, in the first game, if you if you clicked on an enemy, if you just you know clicked A or whatever right. your attack button is, then you would just do a basic attack. Right, right, right. So you and just kind of hack away at them in, unless you yeah. were telling the computer to make your character do something different. Yeah, in this one, it's a lot more interactive. If you're not controlling that character, if you're controlling that character and you're not actively pressing anything, yeah, they just kind of sit there. Um, yeah, it, and, and I guess that's it, cool because it allows me, I've realized, like, I'm playing as a female rogue, so I'm able to 
move around the battlefield a lot more because I think in the first game I found I was getting stuck in animations a lot, which made sense because yes, it was just absolutely. kind of so I, it was easier for me to break away. Um, and you know, I I really just focused on getting like whatever the rogue stats are, cunning and dexterity up. Like I ignored everything like strength and I just completely ignored that stuff. So I don't have a tiny health bar, but it's not humongous either. So I do have to be aware of, you know, kind of looking at where things are at. Just like the first Dragon Age, I'm playing this one on the easy difficulty just because I want to kind of get through this content in time for um, Inquisition coming out. And I, did, I had no idea that I was going to marathon this game the way that I am. Um, so that definitely helps me, I think, when I run into the repetitive nature of the battles because it's just essentially, you know, it, it, it's a lot of the same stuff over and over again, um, which I guess the first game was like that too. But it's fine because I'm leveling up and I'm gaining new items. Um, I don't know what I think about the fact that I don't have to outfit my party members anymore. Um at least armor-wise. I guess it's nice because it's one less thing I don't have to think about, but I find myself constantly going into the inventory screen to try to upgrade their, like, to give them different armor, but I don't have to. Mm. So it's kind of weird. Like, I guess I, I still like that I get to play with weapons and um, runes and upgrades and stuff like that, but um, I, I guess some of that stuff has been streamlined. It definitely took me a while to get used to the interface for the new skill trees and just the new way points are distributed. So... It's weird, because a lot of this is reminding me of sort of the path that Mass Effect took. Like, the first game was this, like, almost inscrutable, like, really detailed, really numbers-heavy RPG that I think you either got or you didn't get. And then a lot of people accused the second game of kind of dumbing that down in favor of better shooter mechanics, which it definitely had. I mean, I feel like it was a good medium of the two. Um but I guess the thing that surprises me more than anything else is that is how similar this game feels to the first one. Like, I really thought it would feel really, really different to me. But um, but I guess in a lot of the ways, it just feels the same. And I guess that's good, because I really like the first game. And um, it's cool, you sort of get into the second and third act of the game to see, you know, some of the characters from the first game come back. Um, I had to kind of think back to realize, like, wait, did they... I wonder how much of what I'm seeing now was the effect of decisions that I made or um, if it's just kind of built in because I know some of it is was kind of unavoidable stuff, but I think characters are showing up that definitely could have died in the first game. So, No, and there, um, like it's funny, just a couple of things that you were mentioning just uh, all bring me to stuff that they've been talking about with the third game because, um, you know, some people, you know, really kind of complained about the fact that there wasn't kind of like an auto attack while other people kind of felt like you did, which I felt the same way, was that with the auto attack, a lot of times you got kind of stuck with it and it was a lot more, it, it engaged you a lot more to do actually the button mashing, but it's cool. It's because the third one's going to be a mixture. It's basically going to be, um, I don't think they're necessarily going to have as much as the auto attack, but it's going to be there's going to be kind of two different ways of playing where there's the over the shoulder kind of third person that we we used to on consoles, right. and then there's also going to be the overhead tactical kind of view that you get more on a PC. Yeah, that's and right. You're I remember be actually talking about that. able to switch between those in the middle of combat. Yeah, and um, it, and that's good because I I definitely find myself stopping things a lot less frequently in this game. Um, like the first game, I was constantly bringing up my little powers wheels or whatever mm-hmm. to, you know, really tactically kind of set everybody up the way that I wanted them to. At this point, you know, I, you just kind of gear up everybody, um, you know, attribute-wise the way that I want them to and just sort of trust that well, it's going to work out the way it's it needs to. I, I messed with the tactics stuff in the first game. Um, 
which is, I mean, that was a really complicated system where you sit down and you're looking at all oh, those, like, yes. if-then statements. <laughs> and that's in the second game. I haven't touched it because I've, I haven't felt the need to. I kind of just, I keep this little part of my peripheral vision on everybody's health bars, and I rarely have to do anything like use a potion or, you know, heal somebody from an injury. I mean, it happens, but, I mean, as long well, as you've got... because you're playing it on easy. That's true. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. And, um, you know, I, but, I tend to keep uh, somebody who has healing in my party, so that takes care of yeah. a lot of it, too. Yeah, and um, you know, in the second one as well, because of the fact that they streamlined a lot of the powers, there's not nearly as much of a selection. Right. So the tactics are kind of a little less necessary because, or you know, just going into the power wheel is a little less necessary, just because you have less that you have to do. Like especially if you were a mage or something like that in the first game, you had you know spells out the wazoo. So right. yeah, you had to use the power wheel to access them all in this one you have a lot more select spells so you can kind of use them just on your basic you know buttons and right trigger buttons right um so yeah i mean it's just it's it's kind of just interesting just hearing about how they're merging all the stuff from with all the you know the complaints and praises from both games how they're able to merge them even you talked about um like with the armor for your companions, you know, they talked about how everybody liked to be able to suit up their companions with armor, yeah. but yet also they really liked it, and also people liked it when you do, like, cosplay and stuff. You know, you want to be able to dress like a character. Well, if they don't have a specific look, ah. it's kind of hard to dress like them. So now for this <laughs> new one, they're going to have kind of a balance where you're going to be able to find armor for the characters, but it's not necessarily, you know, like if you put the armor on yourself compared to if you put it on one of your companions, it's not necessarily going to look the same. Like if you put new armor on them, it'll change their look in the way that it'll look different, but it'll still be kind of their style. Right. I I think is kind of the way of putting it. So they'll still have a basic kind of look to them, but it'll augment as you add stuff to them. Interesting. Yeah, and and there are some, like, basic armor upgrades, I think, that I've run into. It doesn't make any... Well, maybe there are some visual differences that I have noticed in cutscenes. Or something like that. Yeah, Yeah. some of them look different and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, overall, I, I... I don't know. Like, it just feels like a very natural kind of progression of the first game. I think everything looks a little bit better, which is nice. I like the kind of the framing tale of, you know, this is all a story told by Varric, who is such a great character. Like, I really love that little guy. Mm-hmm. And um, Which he will be a party member in the third one. Yeah, so that's awesome. That. Um, it's funny because I will definitely cop to, you know, I have a really hard time with these Bioware games, like, just making decisions all the time and just completely sticking with them. Most of the time I can do that, no problem. But every now and again I'll get to something where I'm like, uh, I just don't know. And I really, this game, have tried to avoid the whole, like, go back and forth and save before and then see what the other version looks like. I, I, I mean, I think I sent you just and Jared. play through it twice. Yeah, it's... well, there's that. Or I mean, and I... Ten times like I do. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I texted you guys a little bit earlier, like, what What's the deal with this Kunari? Are they just pure evil? Is this like the big bad of the game? And they're like, they're just you know, play play the way you want to play, and you'll be fine. And um, but it definitely has this you know this very political storyline. I don't know, I really dig it. Like I'm just I'm super excited because I feel like they they really know the game that they have. They know this universe well. Like this world is so well fleshed out. Like. If you could spend six months just going through the codex and reading all this stuff, or you know, taking in all the expanded universe stuff from the novels and from the books and from the comic books, and it, there's just there's so much stuff in yeah. the world of Thetis. Like I'm, I'm just excited to see all of that through the filter of you know something that looks like a current high end PC level of visuals. Like oh man, it's just this this is going to be something that if, if if when this comes out. 
I don't have a new console, like it's gonna be really hard to resist the temptation to get one. Well, you you can get it on the current gen though, so you don't have to buy an Xbox yeah, One or a PlayStation. Yeah, but it's gonna be so board. pretty. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, that's uh, you know I'm kind of debating about it too. You know, because now they're announcing all the pre-order stuff, and I'm like, okay, do I want to go ahead and pre-order it now for like 360, or do I want to wait and right. get it on if I have you know, especially now that Xbox One's cheaper. But we'll talk about that in a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, so what have you been? So I've been yeah. just neck deep in Dragon Age Two. What have you been Dragon Aging? Um, I, I I played the first one over again because just with all this talk about the new Dragon Age and yeah, I mean I'm really excited to check out the world just because I actually have um read the books and the comics and stuff just because I really get into a lot of these any of these games where they create kind of a fully fledged world whether it be like a Bioware game or even like Borderlands or something like that. If they come out with st- uh, extra little things, sometimes I'll read those because you know you enjoy that world so much you kind of want to experience it more. And also like with the Dragon Age. You know, you get a lot of the history in the books as well as, like, you get to visit other places, but, you you know, you're not necessarily getting to interact. So I am really looking forward to, with the new game, the massive scale that they're using for this one. I'm really, really looking forward to getting to check out other places like Orlay and um, the Exalted Marches and all that kind of stuff. It should be really interesting. Yeah. But I, I, I was just playing through the first one just to kind of satisfy that that itch that I've been having. Um, I've also been playing a lot of the uh, the mobile game, the Heroes of Dragon Age, because lately they've been doing a lot of little special events where if you play in them, you can get these banners that unlock, you know, you can get tons of, like, gold and XP and, and gems and stuff to buy new characters, so it's kind of sped me along a little bit ah. and, and been a little bit more motivating than just grinding through, you know, the usual. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically been mine. Um... Yeah, I, I just finished playing through the first game, and then I was thinking about starting the second one, but uh, you know, Watch Dogs is going to be coming out here shortly, so I kind of didn't want to get all sunk into Dragon Age 2, and then you know, all of a sudden Watch Dogs comes out, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to be stuck playing that for a while. Right. So, <laughs> But yeah, I just, uh, you know, every time any kind of little thing comes out about Inquisition, I just have to go read it and check it out, so I'm definitely, and especially now that you, you actually have a date to count down to, so and then October seventh, that's going to be it's, you know, it's Aliens, Isolation, Dragon Age Inquisition, and the new Lord of the Rings, The Shadows of Mordor, all coming out October seventh. I feel bad for the Lord of the Rings game. I feel like it's going to get totally overshadowed. The Alien game, I think, might be a slightly different audience, but yeah, I don't know. I think both of those are going to be kind of iffy because the fact that they're new IPs and they're both from game fr- or franchises that aren't really that successful That's in the video a good game point. realm. You know, there hasn't really been a great Lord of the Rings video game, and uh, I think we all know how Aliens has done in video games. So oh, yeah. I think both of them are going to kind of suffer because they're going up against a franchise that everybody is ridiculously excited for. Um, so we'll see maybe if they start shifting their dates now that Dragon Age has announced theirs. I don't know. We'll now, see. You've been doing a lot of, I mean, I, I've seen a lot and I've read a lot about Inquisition, but I think you've gone even deeper than I have. Are they saying anything <laughs> at this point about, I mean, is this the end of a trilogy? Is this just another game in a series? Like with Mass Effect, I think from before the first game, game came out, they said three, we will do a trilogy, which was really ballsy of them. But so yeah. it's just another one. This isn't supposed to end anything. I don't think so. However, I do kind of feel like this kind of one goes back to like a global crisis, which I think was one of the big complaints about the second game was the fact that the crisis was very, you know, it just affected this one city, even though technically the whole Mage Templar battle thing, you know, affects, you know, the whole world. But 
you know, you never really like kind of left the city, but you know, on little jaunts. But this this one is kind of more like the first game, where it's more of kind of a global crisis, like the Darkspawn. Um, and they keep hinting at this greater evil that's behind it all, and uh, there is kind of a certain evil that's been building in the past games. Anybody who's played it kind of knows who's kind of everybody thinks is behind it all. So if that ends up being the villain in the third one, I would think that would kind of be an ending point. However, they could as easily just do like Mass Effect where they would continue doing other games just with other stories. I mean, it would be really easy with Dragon Age because you don't have like that Shepard character that everybody's stuck on. Every game you've had a new character, so you haven't really gotten too attached to a certain one. I mean, especially like in the first game, you know, if you were the warden, you could play through and have them die at the end. Right, right. So obviously you can't have them carry on to another game. So, um, yeah, I don't know whether they haven't said anything about it being like the end of the story. Um, I would think, especially if it's still successful, that they'll continue to make games. They can make spinoffs. They could do whatever. Right. I mean, it's a whole world that they've created. Why not continue to use it? Right, and and they don't have any other ongoing like currently planned see I mean they've kind of wrapped up Mass Effect we know something's coming but we don't know yeah, what they exactly are so they're kind of Mass Effect they're on game. their second wave yeah they're they're in their yeah. post Avengers phase I guess <laughs> yeah we have no idea you know there's speculation of is it going to be an MMO is it just going to be a spin-off uh, you know what is it going to be nobody knows they just know that they're they are working currently on another Mass Effect game right. nobody knows what it is <laughs> but I know it's just the the amount of I mean I've listened to so many podcasts with the developers and you know just uh, read some like there's ugh, just so much is being thrown at this third game like it's it's going to be pretty darn impressive so we'll have to it, see. Well, it better live up to it too and one of the things I just recently read is they're really really looking at choice because you had talked about where you do feel like certain characters are showing up who could be dead and that is the, the probably the only thing that really kind of made a difference between the first two games is that there are certain characters that didn't survive they obviously didn't show up in the second game but usually those characters just showed up gave you like a quest and then that was it right so it wasn't really a huge difference. In this next game they're talking about, there's going to be literally like whole quest lines that if you make a decision at a certain quest, it could completely eliminate an entire quest line from you right. ever being able to do it just because of that one decision. Well, I'm like, okay, now that definitely seems like something, because they always talk about how you know your decisions, that your choices that you make affect later on. And even with Mass Effect, it was always kind of, eh, kind of. Right. But not like in a major way. While this, it's like if it's eliminating a whole thing that you can do, like it changes the entire game for you. You could get to play a whole new quest line that you've never played before or never get to play this quest line. I mean, I think that's a little bit of a better kind of result from your choices than, oh, this guy might show up just to say hi in the next game if you leave him alive. Yeah, and I've got to believe that you just don't see him. They must know. I mean, they get, you know, the studios who create these games get you know user data from the platforms as far as their games are concerned. I I, I don't know that this is true, but I've got to believe that BioWare as a studio probably has a much higher level of replay for their games than most other studios do. I know oh. the statistic for who actually beats games is some pathetically small number. It's like 4% or 10% of people actually beat the games they play. But... um. I mean, to have whole, like, arms and legs of, you know, a story lopped off if you make a decision, how great is that for you, for somebody like you, who's going to go back the third or fourth time and maybe get to see, you know, new content that's not DLC, but was just, you know, it was just gated behind the fact that you had to live with certain decisions. Like, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. 
Oh, and speaking of DLC, actually, they just put out something that kind of makes me mad, and it takes me all back to the, you know, the end of the Mass Effect trilogy, you know, just with the way that people are, with the way that they, they pitch a fit about something, and then, get, you know, it's it actually makes the game suffer, I feel, is Bioware just put out, you know, because they have the new trailer out where it shows kind of your party all standing behind a table, um, so they said that's your party, and they also did confirm there will be, n- what you get in the original game, party-wise, is it. Those are the only party members you will have. There's going to be no DLC party members, oh. no new guys added later on. Okay. And they said the reason they did that is because in the past, namely uh, Mass Effect 3, um, was it 3? Yeah. With the, uh, the, when you got the extra character in the DLC, but yet then a bunch of people went into the programming and found out he was actually on the disc already. But, you know, Bioware explained, I'm like, well, you kind of have to program the guy in for all the conversations and stuff like that. Like, you have to be least prepared for it, but they didn't finish his DLC yet. They didn't finish his whole thing because they were waiting to release him later, but they had to at least plug him in. Hmm. Otherwise, you know, he wouldn't have, they wouldn't have been able to get him in with all the different conversations and the way he interact, the way you interact in a in a Bioware game. Yeah, you kind of have to do that. Well, because of all the flack they got from people, you know, pitching a fit because of the fact they had to pay for this extra character when he was already technically in the game, um, they've basically just decided they're no longer going to do that anymore. Huh. Which I was well, and it it was also kind of the fact that they released that as day of release DLC. Like right. It was the day everybody bought it, you could also buy this DLC. So they're like, well, if it came out on the day that the game released, why wasn't it just in the game? Right, right, right. And I'm like, well, it's DLC. It's extra. You know, it's like, don't... That's the whole point of DLC. They're trying to get you to pay a little extra to get <laughs> a little extra. That's that's the whole point of it. I don't understand why everybody was just kind of... So, so it, it was just another one of those cases where you got this majority, you know, just the ones who are the loudest making a big deal about it and then the rest of us suffer because of of that. Yeah. So, no extra de- no more extra party members to be expected for Inquisition. Well, so, well I don't know. I mean, it it I I guess it, it's probably it looks to be a large enough game that you're going to get so much ridiculous yeah. value well, out of it. Well, and it's a pretty that, big yeah. party too. If you look at the group standing behind the table, there's I mean, it, it's got to be like 9, 10 people yeah, standing there, yeah. so um, and not that many familiar I mean familiar faces in that you've seen them before but never in a party I think uh, Varric is the only guy they've announced who's been in your party before um, so it should be kind of interesting to see a lot of new characters and of course getting to play as a Quinari is going to be just amazing that was another thing they changed for this one that was a big issue with the second one is that you know you could only be a human right but I understood why they were doing it because they wanted to create, I think, kind of this Shepard-like character where they could add in all the the, the voice acting and everything. And you kind of need to narrow that down a little bit. For this one, it is going to be a fully voiced character for the main character, but um, it's only going to be each race has... Or no, it's each sex has two voices to choose from. So no matter what race you are or anything like that, you have if you pick a male, you have two voices to choose from. If you pick a female, you have two voices to choose from. So you can be like um, a human male with a male Kunari voice. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like they—they're they, saying, of course, you know, there is that issue where you know everybody has different accents. You know, right. everybody from different areas tends to have different accents. Even you know, if you're an elf, if you're an elf from the Dalish, you're gonna sound like kind of a more of a Welsh accent. While if you're a Delph. Uh, 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 an elf from the alienage, you're going to sound a little bit more kind of American almost in a way. Right. But they were saying that, you know, with your character, your character isn't necessarily from one place, could have traveled around, you know, isn't necessarily from the area that your race is from, so they could develop whatever kind of accent. And also they just kind of said, well, you know, 
they were like, if we put like two voices for each race, we would have to put out like nine discs. Right. So <laughs> you just kind of have to settle for two races or two voices for each sex. You're yeah, just that, have to for that it. uncompressed audio takes up such a ridiculous amount of space. Like I, I remember yeah. hearing that um, when the Titanfall was released for the PC version, like the download of that was like 60 or 70 gigs and like 80% of that was uncompressed audio. Because it's just that's what you need to keep games running quickly and smoothly. Yeah. So yeah, that's you got to think about that kind of stuff. Even though we have these, you know, Blu-ray allows for such a ridiculous amount of storage. Like yeah, I mean this this is years of work these guys have put into that. And I think at this point we've learned to just like okay, we may have problems with certain things, but on the whole we're just going to trust you guys with this. Like this this yeah. will work out. Well, and it was also kind of confusing because I was reading something because there was also the complaint about in the first one you had a lot more dialogue choices while in the second one, of course, with the dialogue wheel similar to like Mass Effect, right. it limited your amount of choices. But that's what you kind of have to do in order to do a voiced-over game. You have to like, kind of limit your options because you know, that's a lot of work to have to cover all those different... Um, and I kind of liked the player actually, or the character actually talking. Yeah, I'm, I I've totally I've never really been much for the whole silent character where it's just, you just pick words and then the people talk to you like you said it when really you didn't say a thing. Right. Um, but in this one, it sound, I, I, I'm not 100% sure, because like I said, this kind of confused me, but it almost sounded like there's going to be three wheels. Like one where you pick kind of your emotional state, one where you pick kind of what you say, and then one you pick how you say it or something. Whoa. I don't know. It was weird. But it sounds like you're going to be picking kind of selections from these three different wheels, and that's going to affect. But I'm like, wow, that sounds like it would be a lot of work too, though. Too. <laughs> so I I don't know. I, I mean, maybe they just had the, the actor just say the same thing in like four different ways. There's, I don't I don't really know how it's going to work out. Like I said, it seemed confusing to me. I could be totally misread it. Um, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Wow. Well, the huge flowchart for that game has got to be quite impressive. They should release that as a poster after the game's over, like the decision yeah. tree that you could possibly have. That, that'd be pretty impressive. Well, and also, just something interesting to add is they, they've also announced like all the, the bonus editions. You know, you have your basic edition, fifty nine ninety nine. Then you have your deluxe edition, which is sixty nine ninety nine, which comes with some extra content, like new weapons, and I guess you get, like, a keep, so you can you get, like, little stuff like a new throne or something to sit in there. Um, But then there's also the Inquisitor edition, which this one, it's like 170 bucks, (laughs) and it comes with, you know, it comes in this, you know, special case, of course. The only cool thing that I saw in all that came with it was it comes with a cloth map of Thetis, which I thought was kind of kind of cool. But it also comes with like a pack of seventy-two tarot cards, which um, I don't unless you read tarot cards, I don't know what you huh. do with it. A actual lock picking set, like from like what a rogue would use. Okay. I'm like, what what are you gonna do with this? And then all this other random crap that I'm just like, they would just probably just sit on somebody's shelf. Um. I, I'm like, why would you pay $170 for all this? I'm like, at least stick, like, some DLC or something in there, you know, something a little bit more, or, a, you know, a statue, I don't know. It's just something a little bit more tangible than tarot cards and a lock-picking set. Yeah, I think the way that Joystick described it was, like, um, Dragon Age uh, Massive Edition contains uh, all the material you, you would need to be an actual Inquisitor, apparently. <laughs> like, yeah. it's crazy. It's got these little map markers and things, so you can put, like, where your armies are located. I, I, I Unless you're just really, really into that kind of stuff, uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I will not be going for the Inquisitor's Edition, on top of the fact that it's $170. Yeah. I just don't have that to spend. Well, I think so. we'll be good with 60 bucks. Yeah, I might go with the deluxe edition just for some of the the cool little extra things. It's only an extra ten dollars, right? So, and Lord knows I'll get my money's worth out of it. Oh so. yeah. 
we'll see about that. But so yeah, so um, obviously very very excited about um, Inquisition. October seventh cannot come soon enough, but we'll just have to you know fill our time with playing the older ones so we can get lots of save games to load on. Which <laughs> right. actually, you know what? Before we move on, I, another interesting thing is I don't know if you've read anything about the keep. That's the the way that they're planning on transferring saves. Yeah, because of the fact that the new game you know will also be on the newer consoles. You know, they want to make it um, where you can transfer stuff. I mean, technically, this way you could switch to PC or you could switch to consoles right. from PC. You could switch to whatever, and it's going to be a web-based program that you go on and you say, you know, in Dragon Age One, I chose to kill the archdemon and i did the dark ritual so that i didn't die and blah 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 and you add in all these little choices right. and then that that uploads it into your little character profile and you create a game off of that and i was like i think that's just really kind of cool in a way because you know it allows you then also like if you trade it in let's say the first one or you just don't want to play it anymore or whatever but you still want to have those choices that you make you know and and kind of get that same outcome now you can just go into this cool little nifty program and and do that so yeah and i mean that that sort of deals with the whole issue of i mean it's it's been a while now i mean dragon age basically came out concurrently with like mass effect 2 so it's been a couple years and you know you figure out a pretty high percentage of people who might have played dragon age near when it came out on like a 360 if they're going to plan on playing inquisition on a 360 a fair number of those people have probably lost their saves or lost their whole systems. Um, so this oh, does yeah. kind of... And, and, you know, it's interesting because when I first started playing this, um, my my system wasn't hooked up to the internet. Uh, for some reason, I had moved the ethernet cable around, so I couldn't log into the Dragon Age servers, whatever that means. But then um, when I eventually did move the cable back over so I could get on Xbox Live... Um, you know, it, it brings up my profile name. It brings up that I'm hooked up to my Origin account, so... I don't know why they couldn't just do all the save transfer stuff that way, but then I guess you're going to have people who aren't on those online systems. So I think that's probably yeah. the simplest, cleanest, easiest way to do that kind of thing because, yeah, I mean... But technically you're going to need to be online to use the keep, so... Right, right. So I'd really <laughs> like way. to be able... Like, if I want to play this game on a PS4 and I've played my other games on 360, and I mean, that's so cool that I'd be able to, you know, bring over that information that way. Yeah. No, definitely really cool, but... Um, so yeah, we're we're uh, we're we're really really looking forward to uh, Inquisition. I for one am just kind of losing my mind a little <laughs> bit waiting out on this. Especially just every time they release a new screenshot on Facebook or a new article comes out in Game Informer. I, oh, I just I I need them it. to stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna move on to um, some some DLC that uh, me and uh, Chris have both each tried out some DLC to some really popular games that came out. Um, our Last choices year, for so. game of the year. Yeah. Um, so first up is going to be the DLC from Bioshock Infinite that uh, Chris got to try out. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, as with uh, our regular Bioshock discussion, I, I mean, this we had a full-on spoiler fest with that game uh, between Jared and I. I. I won't go so deep into this one, but um, the DLC for Bioshock Infinite, which uh, coincidentally also... I think ends up being the very last thing released by Irrational Games. Uh, Ken Levine decided yeah, to so. dissolve the studio. See, it's been so long, we haven't even talked about that. Um, at, in order to focus on smaller, downloadable games. So this is kind of their last hurrah. So um, it, no surprise uh, from all the advertising that's been going on that the, um, the DLC, which came out in two parts, uh, called Burial at Sea, uh, allows you to play in this sort of alternate universe version of the game where the main characters, Booker and Elizabeth, are in Rapture, the underwater world from the first two Bioshock games. Um, 
I mean, visually, it's fantastic because you get the advantage of seeing what this really creepy, beautiful world. Um, I think that game came out in like 2006 or 2007, the original Bioshock. See that through 2014 technology, even though it's on the same system, everything runs so much better, looks so much smoother. It And this is the world of Rapture before everything kind of went to hell, uh, like it did in the first game. First and second game, everything was just total ruins, and you're left to sort of piece together what happened. This is where the city is still a fully, basically functioning, running kind of place. Well, at least through most of it. Um, it's really interesting because the game was divided into two very specific parts. Uh, the first part, you play as Booker, the character you play as in the regular game. Um, so it plays very, very similar to the main game. I mean, as far as having the uh, plasmid powers uh, and have you know on your left trigger and having the weapons on your right trigger. It, you know, I, there's a couple of new powers that weren't in the regular game, but um, you know, you get to ride the rail system like an in infinite, but you're in the world of Bioshock underwater. So it's cool mashup of the two games. Um, the second part of it, uh, you actually play as Elizabeth, which again, no spoilers, they've been very clear about that which made the game surprisingly different for me. Um, I think I talked to Jared about this at some point, but uh, since Elizabeth doesn't ha have the ability to uh, use the sort of magic powers uh, that the characters and all the other Bioshock games do, uh, there's a big sort of stealth element to the game where um, it reminded me a lot of um, the Arkham games, actually, because she has an ability uh, that you can gain or upgrade at some point where you are able to basically see enemies through walls, very much like the Detective Vision in Arkham uh, Asylum and City. Uh, probably Origins, I haven't played it. But, um, and she's, if she ever gets stuck in the middle of a fight with multiple enemies, she's not going to make it. Like, she's just going to die. So you have to use a lot of stealth, a lot of creeping around, a lot of being aware of what materials you're walking on, because things like water and broken glass are going to make more noise than if you're just walking on the ground crouching. Um, you know, she's able to uh, manipulate the vent system of Rapture, so if she needs to get out of some place really quickly, she can climb up and do a vent, because she's a lot smaller than Booker is. So it, it it really is a very different playing game. So I like that you got to do both, because it's cool to come off of the main game of Infinite and continue to play with all those same mechanics, and then get to have it all completely switched around. I mean, the, the two halves are definitely related to each other, the second half picks up the second where the first one ended um, and just a lot of really interesting stuff happens I mean it's uh, it's it's got some really really cool like what's actually going on here I mean you can remember from our discussion of Bioshock Infinite that game is just it's all over the place as far as the crazy storyline so this does not disappoint and it, it ties into the first Bioshock in some pretty significant really really cool ways so Highly recommended. I think that I picked it up on some kind of a sale, so it probably wasn't... Oh, I, no, actually, I, I bought the season pass, actually, because they still had that available. So I was able to get the two big parts of the single-story DLC, and I think there's some multiplayer or combat-focused thing I ended up buying that I probably will never play. But um, super, super cool. So if anybody was as obsessed with that game as I was, um, it was very fun to be able to to come back to that world after having... Something of a break. So, I mean, that was about a year between when I played the game and this. So, uh, cool to come back to it. But you got to spend time with some DLC that is not nearly as old and didn't have as much of a gap in time, I don't think, right? Um, it's been it's a been little a while. while, yeah. Um, I got a hold of the uh, the Last of Us DLC left behind. Um, so I was really excited to 
try this out because obviously I was um, a huge, huge fan of uh, Last of Us. Uh, um, but I have to say I was a little disappointed with this DLC. Um, it was still pretty interesting. Um, basically, the DLC is called Left Behind, and it's it deals with um, Ellie, a lot of stuff with Ellie. Um, and there's actually two different parts that you play as her. Um, one part is um, kind of where the main combat um, of the DLC takes place, um, which is interesting. Uh, it, it's kind of, if you play the, the game, the scene where, where you play as Ellie in the original game, this kind of takes place right before that. So right after Joel is injured and you know, Ellie is kind of forced to take care of him until he's better, right. it's kind of what happens right before you know, right after that um, scene where he gets injured. So it's her trying to find him medical attention, trying to find a place to um, take shelter and all that kind of stuff and dealing with now the fact that she's all alone and having to take care of him and dealing with, you know, the the humans and the, the you know, all the, I guess, zombies, for better, lack of a better word, that are running around and she's having to deal with that by herself. And then the second part of it um, takes place uh, before the game, and that's her with her friend Riley that is mentioned in the game. Um, the, and it's kind of the, how their whole relationship and how it builds up to the point where, um, you know, kind of for anybody who's played the game, you know, you'll, you'll figure out what happens with that. And it kind of leads up to that. So everybody who's played the game and you play the DLC, you kind of know how it's going to end, right. which is, is one kind of disappointing aspect. Cause there's not really a huge twist. They tried to stick a twist in there, which has to do with their relationship, but it's, it's not really that kind of wow when you see it because number one you kind of see it coming and number two is just eh, it's not really that big of a, a, a twist. Um, I was just kind of disappointed in that you know you have the two different kind of almost play styles in the two different gaming sections. So whenever you're playing as Ellie, where it's kind of taking place at the same time as the the game where she's taking care of Joel, it's very very combat. It's all just combat, 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 and that's all it is. You know, a lot of your stealth, a lot of your fighting. And then the other part is very very story oriented, like you're playing little games and you're chit-chatting and you're just having a little girl time, which is so great for, you know, a 30-year-old guy to play. Right. Um so it, they were just both so opposite, you know, it, it felt even though kind of the original game was like that to an extent, because you went through combat sections and then you went through kind of more storyline sections. But I felt it just worked better in that. This, I just, I could not get into it. And I felt also, maybe it was just also because of the fact that you're Ellie and I just couldn't really relate with Ellie's story, you know? Uh, but I, I was kind of disappointed in the story. It just wasn't, you know, watching these two girls and their friendship just wasn't really something I'm interested in. Maybe it was just me. I mean, maybe somebody else would be a little bit more into that but it, it just wasn't really that spectacular to me um i was also kind of disappointed because um you know naughty dog has announced they're putting out another dlc and it is going to be the last dlc for last of us and it's another multiplayer dlc so what they put three i think dlcs out all together yeah, there was so a there multiplayer been... one i think before this single yeah. player stuff so came there's out. been two multiplayer ones and only one single player I mean, everybody raves about the multiplayer version of this. I only got to play a little bit of it, and you know me, I'm not huge into a lot of these competitive multiplayer modes. But I just felt like with a game that was so, you know, rewarded and and so just praised for its story-driven and its, like, single-player section, I felt like they could have put more out than just one DLC for that. I felt like there was so much more they could do. Um... 
you know, where there are so many other characters you could explore, or you could even possibly do something that takes place after the game, although I, I feel like that could get a little weird. I think we talked about that when we did our big spoilerific Last of Us episode. Yeah, like, would um, we, would we want to go back to this after knowing the way it ended the yeah, way it did? Yeah, it was, it, you know, I almost feel like that was kind of just the way to leave it when they ended it. But you were there were other characters they could have explored, other time periods, or, or other periods of time that you weren't actually playing as Joel and Ellie that I felt they could have done something. So I was kind of disappointed also in that, that they just kind of did it with just one single-player DLC, and that was it. Yeah. So I don't know if they'd originally planned to do more, and just for whatever reason it didn't happen. But and not to mention the fact that the DLC they did put out, I just wasn't really that big of a fan of. So uh, if you are a big fan of Last of Us and you want to check out the Left Behind, if you haven't already, um, I would probably see maybe if you can get a chance to try it out on somebody else's where you didn't have to pay for it. It's not hugely expensive or anything, but I would just definitely kind of get a chance to check it out because you might not be that into it. So Gotcha. Well, and another recommendation too for people who either like this DLC and want even more or who maybe weren't interested in going back to the gameplay world, um, something that everybody should definitely check out is um, there's a studio of uh, documentary documentary filmmakers, I can't say it, uh, called Area 5. And this company does a lot of um, documentaries about video game-related stuff. They did one called I Am Street Fighter uh, for the 25th anniversary of that game. Um, They've done a lot of other video game-related stuff. They did a documentary about the making of this game uh, that's called Grounded. And um, you can watch it now. It's on YouTube. It's like an hour and a half long. It's fascinating Like to see technically how they make it, to see how they storyboarded it, to see how... At the very, very beginning of this process, this was going to be like a, a Jack and Daxter reboot. Like that's what this team was supposed to do and somehow ended up with this game instead. So that's that's really cool. It was on it was for free on um, Amazon Instant Video for a while. And, and now they've gone ahead and put it up on YouTube. Um, if you'd like the way that the documentary itself is filmed, the people who made the documentary used to do a video game video podcast called Co-op which is one of the best video game podcasts I've ever gotten to experience. Um, that even though that's not around anymore, it, that's definitely worth looking up on iTunes uh, and downloading all the stuff those guys did because it's a, it's a really, really cool way to see people talking about uh, video games, not just hear people talking about video games like us. But um, yeah, Grounded, uh, the making of Last of Us on YouTube. Everybody should check that out. It's free. Why would you not watch it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, um, another cool little thing just to kind of be able to see a lot of that. Because, I mean, it was such a great game, and that's why I was just, I was really disappointed that that's the DLC they decided to come out with. And it was interesting to kind of see that story, you know, because you hear a lot about it in the game. So it was interesting to see kind of how that developed and how it affects the game. But uh, I think they could have done a little bit better. <laughs> but, um, so the other thing we kind of want to talk about is, um, is that Microsoft lately has has had a lot of big stuff coming out with them. So we kind of wanted to just discuss a lot of those different things because some of it is stuff that we're really interested in and some of it is just kind of interesting stuff. So uh, for starters, um, one of the big things that, uh, you know, we are very excited about is the fact that, you know, a lot of people were a little iffy about uh, with the Gears of War franchise, the latest installment, which was Judgment. Um, was a very different feel from a lot of the other, from the original kind of trilogy and, uh, went kind of a different route, and of course, you know, the lack of horde mode, which I discussed at length in our uh, review of that game a while back, <laughs> um, was obviously felt by a lot of people. So, 
was kind of interesting to recently find out that the uh, rights to Gears of War games was actually sold. Uh, Epic sold it to Microsoft. Mm-hmm. So in the future, you know, all the Gears of War games will be um, produced by Microsoft. So I was kind of, in a way, excited to hear that because of the fact that I was so disappointed with the with Judgment. Um, you know, however, of course, I'm kind of just curious to see what Microsoft would do with it. Um, obviously, we haven't heard anything about a new Gears of War game in the works, so um, I don't know if they would try to, you know, keep it like the originals or if they would try to make kind of their own version. Uh, I, so that would be kind of my why I would still feel a little bit iffy about even with this this new purchase. But I know, uh, Chris, you haven't had nearly as much experience with the, the Gears of War franchise as uh, like me and Jared and, and some of the others. Um, but do you have any kind of thoughts or feelings on... No, I mean, I think it's... They've got to deal with the same thing that 343 Studios did with Halo 4. I mean, it's... If you don't put something innovative in there, then people are going to complain that you're just doing the same thing over and over again. If you decide to put a lot of new and innovative stuff in there, people are going to complain because you're not giving them the game that they've come to love. So I don't know. I guess the way that I choose to look at it, because, you know, I, I own the first three games. I beat the first one. I played like a couple hours of the second one. Haven't touched the third one yet. Um, you know, the, by the fact that the reception for Judgment was pretty poor overall, um, even I, from I, yeah, I'll take it with a grain of salt of what I read on the internet. But when I hear directly from you guys, who are both huge fans, that you are both kind of found it a bit lacking. I mean, I guess I, I choose to look at it the way that I look at like the new Star Wars movies that are coming out. Like, yeah, it's in the hands of different people now. But since our last experience had some problems, then I guess I choose to be excited to see what you know, fresh talent is going to do with it. So, I mean, mm-hmm. we've always, I think, think attributed that series to Cliff Blazinski. And since he hasn't been a part of Epic for a while now, I mean, he wasn't, he had no hand in the fourth Gears game. So, it, you know, it's new people anyway. So I, I don't, I, I was trying to figure out this whole deal with this Black Tusk studio. Like, is that just what they're calling the team that's working on the Gears games now? Or did they actually buy a studio called Black Tusk? And they're using uh, that. I, I, I didn't I hear anything about that, so I'm not sure. Yeah, so I don't think it matters. But, yeah, I mean, it should be cool. I mean, more than anything else, I'm just curious to see, like, that game, Gears of War and Assassin's Creed, as far as I, were, I was concerned, were the first real, like, next-gen games. Like, there might as well not have been an Xbox 360 before Gears of War came out. I mean, people have oh, very yeah. few memories about what happened before that game came out. And just the fact that it wasn't a launch title. So, I mean, for... The way that game kind of defined what next gen at the time looked like, I mean, I can't even imagine what, if they can utilize the power of these new systems, what this new fifth game will look like. So I think only good things. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens. Well, and one benefit they might have, is, you know, you talked about how, you know, they do kind of get stuck into that, you know, if you ca- if you just do the original, then you get you know, they yell at you for not doing enough, and then if you try to do something new and different, then they yell at you for changing it. But I feel like they have the benefit in the fact that the fourth one changed a lot of things and, you know, wasn't necessarily hugely successful with it. So in a way, maybe if they just kind of do the original, just kind of copy it in a way... It'd be like, oh, return to form. ...of a relief. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, you know, we're finally back. This is what Gears is supposed to be. So they might benefit from the you know from the, the fact that judgment was actually you know existed. That's a good so, point. I hadn't thought about that. 
Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see what happens with that. But also, um, of course, the one of the most recent news uh, with Microsoft is they are going to be releasing a new version of the Xbox One with Sans Connect. Yeah, yeah. So no Connect involved with this one, and it is going to be a hundred dollars cheaper, so three ninety nine compared to four ninety nine. Huh. Um, which you know, everybody, of course, uh, you know, they came out and announced that this is all because of the fact that you know, after all the stink that was raised about the fact that you had to keep the Connect connected to your Xbox One in order to get it to work. They made it to where you didn't have to, um, but yet it was still included in the box. You still had to buy it. So now they're saying that because they made that great decision, that you know now you can <laughs> buy it without the Connect. So you know the thing that was required that they then made the change. You know because they're geniuses, I guess, not because everybody you know really complained and they decided it was a bad idea. That now you can buy it without. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, I think the big question with this is, is um, you know, do you think that you're going to now have this whole new influx of people purchasing the Xbox One because of the fact they can now get it $100 cheaper without the Kinect? Or do you think it's going to be, you know, not really that many people? I think you're going to see, I, I, I do think this is going to make a difference for people because I think that there's a large portion of the gaming population which we do not represent who you know that they're aware of the fact that you know they want to be playing video games and these are the new video games so i got to get one of these systems to play the new video games and not everybody knows you know all the story of the the epic e3 of the sony versus microsoft smackdown or of the uh, you know them having to backpedal uh, on the 100 things they promised their system would be like that now none of them exist anymore so i think for a lot of people like they'll just look and say well what have i always played i like playing games i like playing games with my friends uh so xbox because xbox is better online hands down you can't argue that and you know, so I want to play the new Madden. Well, how do I do that? Well, you got to get this system. Okay, well, no, it's too expensive. No, 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 it costs the same as the other one. Oh, okay, fine. So I think there is going to be kind of an uptick. I mean, when Titanfall launched earlier, what was that, a month ago, two months ago, um, a lot of retailers were selling um, the bundle of the, three, the 360, the one with Titanfall for 450 So you figure if you drop the price of the system by 50 bucks and you put in a $60 game, you're now essentially selling the the system in quotation marks for less than the PS4 cost and you're getting a really big game out of it. So they already kind of played this game a little bit and I think that they were very successful. I think the MPD numbers that I saw said that, you know, for that month anyway, that Xbox One outsold PS4, which, I mean, that's not surprising at all. I mean, given that, you know, that game... If Gears of War was the 360, then Titanfall is the Xbox One. I mean, it's just that's what they've been putting all their eggs in that basket. So um, more than anything else, I mean, this just I mean, this kills Connect. It just it does. Like why from a developer's standpoint, why would you now there's like no reason to really integrate it at all? Like, you know, what are you going to do if you're a studio like Harmonix, who's now, you know, betting the farm on stuff like. Uh, you know, Dance Central or um, what's that game? Fantasia, I think. I think another motion control game. Like yeah. you know, for the, all these people who will not. I mean, maybe they'll patch in some controller support, but it's not the same kind of experience. And I mean, it's. I I think that this whole path that we went down with motion control would have best just been left to Nintendo to be their thing and go like, good job guys, you made a cheap system that people love and you destroyed us in this last console market even though you really weren't playing the same game we were but the fact that, you know, the two big companies so quickly had to find a response for it and, you know, 
I'll give Microsoft credit for at least, you know, their solution was so much more innovative and so much more creative than Sony's PlayStation Move, which is just, I mean, that was just a flat-out Wii ripoff. Yeah, they they haven't even talked about doing that for the PlayStation 4. I think they kind of maybe figured out, look, we should just not even bother with motion control. We obviously just are not going to be keeping up in that realm. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you uh, if you're on the fence, I mean, if you are somebody who doesn't have a new system yet, this makes the decision harder, I guess. I mean, my kind of anecdotal experience with it is... You know, I've played both the systems a fair amount now, and I mean, I personally am still planning on getting a PS4, not necessarily because I think that the games are going to be better or because I think that the machine is that much better, but because um, I've invested in a PS Plus membership now. So ever since I got that in like February, like I've been accumulating this small library of PS4, PS3, and PS Vita games. Like I only have a PS3, but I'm I have access to all these games now, and I'm super intrigued by the integration of the Vita and the PS4 with remote play. Like I think that's just the coolest thing ever. So that and that's something that Microsoft just does not have a version of. So I've let my Xbox Live Gold lapse. You know, I'm the Xbox, but the Xbox One, as far as I I know from the people I know who have the systems, they're using the Xbox One way more. I know a lot of people who have PS4s that are essentially it's just sitting there. They're not really playing much. They played Infamous, Second Son, they liked it, but now they're back to playing Titanfall or I don't know whatever else you play on the One, or you're just you know watching people stream stuff or how you know watching TV or whatever you use the One for. Mm. So I mean, I I think that. Microsoft still has the, you know, this hardcore gamer cred that they built up over the last generation that that's that that's not just going to go away. But I don't know. I mean, the the gulf in sales between PS4 and Xbox One is is really big. So it's not like they're kind of close selling. I mean, it's it's a big difference. And PS4 is way outsold the Xbox One. But I don't know. I mean, how do you feel about this? I mean, we've we've been criticized for being a little down on Microsoft, but I think it's not because of the fact that they made decisions that they made. It's the fact that they flip-flopped on decisions so many times and it made things so confusing for the market. But it's definitely the system that all three of us spent way more time playing than versus our PS3s. We have both. But, I mean, how yeah. does this make you feel as somebody who doesn't own either new system yet? Um, well, I mean, I, I still remember when all this stuff was happening with Xbox, you know, in one of our uh, podcasts. I had talked about that, you know, I felt like a lot of the stuff that they wanted to do with the Xbox One, I thought was really kind of revolutionary and actually is probably the way that gaming will go in the future. I just felt like Xbox kind of was ahead of its time, but not in a good way. Right. I think they kind of rushed it, and people weren't ready to do that kind of stuff. People weren't ready to go completely discless and all that kind of stuff. However, I, you know, I did see a lot of the benefits to what they wanted to do with the Xbox One. I just didn't think that you know people in general would be ready for that, and obviously they weren't because of all the uproar. Um, in a way, yeah, I did kind of, in some ways, lose respect for Microsoft because the fact that they didn't stick to their guns. However, I completely understand why they didn't because, hey, you know, they got to make money. And if your customers don't like what you're putting out there, well, then you got to kind of, you know, cater to them to some extent. Um, with this whole, you know, losing the connect thing, you know, is just another way of them doing that. Um, and 
this I feel is kind of more of where that I think they should have stuck to their guns with a connect. I think they should have just been like, look, you have to get the connect to go with the Xbox, uh, if anything, just for the developers and just because of the fact that they made so many claims about how the connect works and and everything. Um, and also, I don't necessarily feel like it's going to affect me buying the system. Right. Uh, number one, saving hundred dollars is great, but they just don't have the games out f- to tempt me right. to want to buy a new system. Um, the only thing they really have is Titanfall, which is, you know, is not my type of game. Which, hey, obviously a lot of people love Titanfall. It's done great for them, so I'm not knocking that at all. Like, by all means, if that's your main, uh, you know, kind of thing to get people to buy a console, obviously it's working. It's just not going to work for me and, and other people like me who just aren't into that kind of competitive multiplayer. Right. So even the dropping of price isn't really going to change anything. And not to mention most of the really great games that I'm looking forward to, like... Dragon Age Inquisition, uh, Shadows of Mordor, um, you know, even ones that have just come out, like Stick of the Truth or Watch Dogs that's coming out. All of those are for Xbox 360 as well. Even the new Borderlands game that's coming out is not even going to be on Xbox One or PS4. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, Randy Pitchford, he came out and even said, you know, they're using all the technology from the previous Borderlands games to make the new one. He's like, why bother wasting all this time and money to, you know, make all this new tech to be able to put it on the next gen consoles. So, yeah, and even when I remember when I bought uh, uh Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag, I went and did like kind of just a little bit of research just to see if there was any benefit to like looking into the, you know, how you could eventually upgrade just for like $10 to get the and they said really the only difference between the Xbox 360 and the Xbox One or even the PS3 and the PS4, uh, if you bought it for the separate ones, was it looked a little nicer. A little nicer, yeah. And that was really it. Um, the only other thing that I've really heard a big difference on was with Stick of the Truth, the South Park game, is that if you play it on the current gen consoles, it's a little more skippy. You know, it's uh, it's the load times are a little longer. There's almost a little bit of a lag to it just because the game was kind of more designed for next gen so now, the, I thought that the, game was just 360, PS3, and PC. Is there a next-gen version of that, too? Yeah, there's Xbox One and, and PS4, and they said that on those, it, at least I'm pretty sure there is, oh, I didn't um, think that it, it runs a little bit more clear, and it's it's not you don't have to deal with a lot of that stuff because it was kind of more designed with that in mind. Yeah, the 360 definitely. The 360 version, I know, had some hiccupy stuff going on with yeah. it. Yeah, so, you know, but that's like a Bethesda game, you know, it's like, that's just kind of the way it is. I feel like you're going to, it's probably going to crash your system too. It's just inevitable. So, um, I just don't really feel like the only game that's really come out. That's a next gen exclusive that I would consider would be, you know, a second son. So obviously that's a, a PS4 exclusive anyway. So I definitely wouldn't consider getting an Xbox for that either way. So, yeah, I mean, the only thing right now that I'm kind of curious about is with, you know, of course, Dragon Age Inquisition is the idea of, like, well, is this is going to be this huge game with all this amazing graphics and everything. Is it going to be like South Park where it's going to be kind of skippy or you're going to be kind of missing out a little bit if you get it on the current gen? So I don't know. That'll be, you know, just something to kind of think about. i still got some time, so we'll see. But between now and October, I don't know that I'm necessarily going to be coming into a point where I feel comfortable spending even $400 on a system. <laughs> right. So You're like, I just have, I have, I have nothing else I could spend this 500 bucks on. I might on. rather, I yeah, do? just spend yeah. the 70 bucks and go ahead and get the game than have to spend 470 bucks to get the game on a, a you know, a upgraded system. So Yeah, I, it's, it's still a hard argument to make. I mean, I one of my coworkers bought the 360 version of Titanfall, and he loves it. I mean, it, you know, yeah. he doesn't have anything to compare it to. And he's like, this is great. 
So and that's yeah, the whole I mean, thing. I think it's great <laughs> that they're they're sticking with the you know this past generation and they're continuing it on. They're not just leaving it behind. But I also feel like it's kind of hurting them in a way because of the fact that there's a lot of people out there who feel there's no need to upgrade to the new system because not only are all the older games you know getting cheaper you know because now they're becoming obsolete, but all the newer games are still coming out on that same system. So right. So you're either like, you don't have it and you're like, well, why why do I need it? Or you did buy it and you're like, why did I buy this? <laughs> so yeah. it's like at this point you're kind of stuck no matter which yeah, side so, of that you're on. I, you know and. So I, I'm sure that it definitely will bring in some new buyers. Like, you know, it is $100 cheaper. For a lot of people, that's a big difference. Yeah. Um, you know, for some people that are just kind of were saying, I refuse to buy it because they'll connect thing. Well, now they don't have to worry about that. So I, I think it will bring in some, but I, I don't know that it will be a huge influx. But I, I think that will really just become more you'll see that more because of the games. Right. I think as better games come out, I think people will see more of a reason to buy the newer consoles. I think dropping the Kinect is kind of pointless if you're not having the games to back it up, you know? Exactly. So, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see with that, but... um, Time will tell. I mean, I predicted uh, that they would take away the optical drive, and that was going to be, you know, that was how they're going to make up the price. I, I did not think they would lop off the connect. I just didn't uh, think they'd well, go there. Everybody but... was always talking about it yeah, because yeah. of the fact that everybody kind of always assumed that extra hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean it was a connect. it was a very obvious way to solve to save that yeah. money. So I don't know. I mean so. the other part of it is, you know, you are one of the biggest, most profitable corporations on the planet, even though your games division operates different than your your com- consumer software division, at what point do you just drop the price anyway and then just eat that price. I mean, you know, you look at what Nintendo did with the 3DS, and they did a massive price drop very shortly after the system went on sale, and it it's now, like, solidly the most popular, you know, gaming system out there. So, I mean, they've more than made up for those losses in sales. I mean, as a company as a whole, they're still not doing so hot right now, but um, you would think that that they could just take that hit. But, you know, those those profit margins on these consoles are razor thin at this point. So who knows? At this point, both companies could be losing money on the consoles. We wouldn't know. So yeah. that's crazy. Um, so, um, but speaking of, you know, games for uh, the new consoles, of course, uh, when we're talking about Microsoft, is they just had some new announcements uh, uh, regarding the Games with Gold program. Which, of course, this is where it's kind of like the with the PlayStation Plus where you get free games. Uh, it's kind of Microsoft's version, which we talked about this in a previous podcast, kind of uh, oh, um, <laughs> kind of comparing it to uh, the PlayStation Plus and the pluses and minuses to it. So, they're, you know, they've announced some uh, new games with gold for uh, next month, which is uh, it's going to be actually a, a three one for the Xbox 360. There's going to be a bonus game. Um, so this month it was Dust and Legion Trail and Saints Row the Third. So they're kind of I, I found with the the past month or a two they finally newer. started to pick up the selection. Yep. Um, not a a bunch newer, but uh, you know it's it's they're definitely a little bit better. Like they had Hitman Absolution, and in yep. this one they're gonna have this month is Saints Row the Third. You know, so a little bit b- bigger titles. Next month is actually gonna be Dark Souls, and uh, and then an, an, of course an arcade game, Charlie Murder, and then on top of that you get Super Street Fighter Four Arcade Edition. Basically, is kind of like a bonus game. Right. So I thought that was kind of cool. You actually get three next month, but on top of that they're also gonna start doing um, Xbox One games with gold. 
Now, the other interesting thing, though, um, which this is just going to be two downloadable games. I think it's like Halo, Spartan Assault, and then some game called like Max the Curse. That's of the brother. brother one. Yeah, yeah, that came. That was a launch title, I think, for the Xbox One. Yeah. Um, so it's just two arcade games. So not great, but it's the first lineup. But the one interesting thing is, is that um, with the games with gold for Xbox One, and this is just for Xbox One, is that it's going to be kind of how PlayStation Plus does it, where as long as you have the subscription to Xbox Gold, Xbox Live Gold, you get the games. But the minute that you end that subscription, you lose those games. With the Xbox 360, they're going to continue doing it the way they have, where as soon as you download them, they are yours, whether you keep your subscription or not. So, um, but- do you, so if, if I'm a, a... And I just glanced over this when it came out. So if, if I'm in a Microsoft consumer who, for some reason, has the One and has the 360 and am actively playing games on both, is that is that two separate subscriptions? No, it's just going to... It's. I think it's going to have to do with the fact that the games that you download for the Xbox One are going to be kind of more of those temporary ones. So those are tied you to your active membership, but the yes. other ones are not the way that Gold works now. Okay, I, I got yes. you. It's just as long as hmm. you have Gold, you can download those. Those other ones are, yeah, the ones for the Xbox One are kind of tied to your subscription. Right, right, right. So um, kind of interesting that they chose to do that. I'm not really sure why they chose to do that for the Xbox One. Maybe because they just saw how it worked for PlayStation and thought it would be an incentive to keep it. And they didn't maybe want to change it for 360 since it is the older console and also they've just figured, you know, just leave that one alone and, and not bother with it. And let's just, since this is the new console, we can kind of have the new program in there. I, I, I'm not really sure why they chose to do that, but, it, it, you know, it might help them kind of keep subscribers, you know, uh, especially since they're actually doing a new thing where... Um, they're dropping a lot of the uh, apps that they have, a lot of their streaming apps like Netflix, Hulu, and uh, YouTube. You're now going to be able to access them without an Xbox Live Gold membership. Which makes so, so much dumb sense. Like, I don't know why they didn't ch- change that. I mean, you're already... The, the, I mean, and, and it makes sense. You know, they're like, well, this is this your gold membership pays for our online infrastructure. But the fact that these are functions that you already have to pay for outside of Microsoft. It was always frustrating. I mean, I never cared because I had a gold yeah. membership, but I, I, yeah, I can definitely see how for some people it's like, that's super annoying. Well, it's also, I mean, even Microsoft kind of made the argument for why they chose to do it was because so many people now can access those same apps through so many other devices. <laughs> like everything you own, yeah. Fee for it. You can go get a Blu-ray player or a smart a TV, TV or, yeah. you know, anything a roku which is just a one-time payment and it's like you can access a lot of that same stuff and not have to you know have a monthly fee right so i think in a way originally when i heard it i thought well this is kind of dumb because it's a lot of people are going to drop their subscription now that they don't need it to watch this stuff but in a way i think it's kind of smart because you know continuing to do it might drive people away because they're just like you know why am i bothering to pay for this when i can get this stuff for free so I don't know. I think in a way it's kind of was inevitable just because of the fact that now with all these new devices, people can stream stuff through everything, so why bother? Um, not to mention on a PlayStation, you can access you know Netflix and all that stuff without having PlayStation Plus. Right. Um, you know, and PlayStation's now going to be getting HBO Go coming up soon, so you know that's another thing that they'll have, you know, that Xbox originally was the only one who had, but now you can get on PlayStation without having to pay a monthly fee. So maybe they're just they're just trying to compete with PlayStation. So yeah, just and, trying and, to kind of copy them in a way. 
And the one, as far as I know, it works the same way as the 360 in that if you want to play online multiplayer, you have to have a gold membership, right? On the Xbox One, yes. Yeah, yeah. and so, and I that's mean, that's... the same and thing with the PS4, PS4 too. has the same requirement. PlayStation so... changed it to where, you know, in the PS4, if you want to play online, you have to have a PlayStation Plus membership. Right, right, which is, I think it was kind of an inevitability. I mean, they had the advantage of... You know, they built up a lot of goodwill by having those online services free, and then when they did introduce a sort of pay model, you got significant value for it in the games that you were getting. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is just one of those things that, you know, much like the price drop, this now just closes that gap between those two systems. I, I read an interview yeah. with, I think it's Phil Spencer, whoever's in charge of Xbox now, they've changed yeah. executives several times, where he explained the reason that gold games with gold worked the way that it did was because since you did have the ability to keep those games the licensing was way more complicated which is why they were basically stuck with much older games than playstation had like part of the fact that they're able to get people in to those much newer games on playstation is the fact that if you don't continue to contribute to that revenue stream then you lose access to all those games I mean, if you come back later you regain access to everything you've downloaded so it's not like a you stop and then you have to start all over again but i mean at this point if you're gonna game on a modern system and you're gonna play with other people which more and more that's becoming like a normal thing either co-op or big sort of you know mmo hybrid games like destiny I guess it's just, you know, it's all this added value stuff for people. I mean, so now at this point, if you're going to pay for online, which you probably are, on either system, you're going to get a bunch of games. The only real difference now is that the PlayStation membership will get you some handheld games too. But, I mean, that's not that big a difference, and Microsoft doesn't have a handheld. So, yeah, it's just, it's closing that gap. I mean, more than anything else, I'm just excited that they seem to be stepping up their game with with the games themselves. I mean, um, now you guys have no excuse to not play Dark Souls, so that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, I figure I'll try it out, you know, just because, you know, we talked about making each other play those games that we knew they would hate, and I think you talked about making us play Dark Souls. And now I don't even have to loan it to you. So I'll try it, but uh, <laughs> I don't guarantee I'm going to finish it. No, you're going to have Watch Dogs to worry about. You won't have time for Dark Souls. Yeah, that's true too as well. But still, it's nice that they're putting out games like that, and it also it, it does introduce people to games maybe that they wouldn't normally play so i think it's great for those kind of franchises um for some people that maybe got scared away from dark souls because of the reviews you know saying how hard it was now they might get to try it out and who Mm -hmm. knows you know you might get whole new fans so um no i like the fact that you know they're starting to add some more kind of popular games it's not all just you know they still will do usually do like one kind of published game and then one arcade game which is fine but uh, yeah, and everything know. that's come out for PS4 since launch has all been you know downloadable type smaller games. So I mean, it's just it's the nature of the beast. Yeah. They don't have any old catalog to fall back on. So and it's the you same know, they're thing not with the no Xbox no studio is going to invest in like a big huge twenty to thirty hour you know explosive AAA game just to have it released for free. I mean, it it oh, just yeah. doesn't make sense. No. Yeah, no, they're not going to put out Titanfall for free or, or anything like that just because you know that why they're trying to get you to buy it. Although I will I will bet there's a chance that that happens before Christmas or around Christmas. It seems crazy because that's probably a time you can get people to buy Titanfall, but maybe that'd yeah. be a it'd be a big move. They on might kind of think everybody who's bought Titanfall Yeah, they're going to buy it. Like who's going to buy it? Now. it so yeah. now let's get everybody who hasn't who make them buy an Xbox 1. It'd right. be a great way to get people to buy Xbox Ones. You know, hey, now you get Titanfall for free. For free, yeah, no extra cost. On top of the fact that you don't have to buy a Connect anymore. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> everybody wins in Microsoft yeah. land. 
So yeah, so we'll see kind of how all these little changes uh, work out for them. Um, one kind of interesting thing is that Xbox is doing kind of a a, a refund policy. It, um, it's basically they're promising to refund a, a disgruntled fans referring to um, a lot of their stuff with their kind of their web systems. I, I tell you the truth, I haven't really... It's there's so much stuff out there. It's hard to tell exactly what is going on with this. So I think that I think the basic scenario yeah. is if I last week just paid sixty dollars to get a gold membership re-up because I want to be able to watch Netflix, but oh, now yes. I just found out this week that wait I don't need it anymore to watch Netflix. Like there's some process I can go through to yeah. Gain but a they refund. said yeah they said it would take like you know it takes like two months or something like that for your refund to be processed. But you know at least it'll kind of keep some people happy and everything like that. But I mean it does just go to show you like I talked about there you're probably gonna have a lot of people dropping off of their live membership because well like even now lately you know most like you know uh, most of my friends are having babies and back surgery and stuff like that so <laughs> i really haven't been getting online to play with a lot of people so i actually considered dropping my xbox live subscription as well but uh well i need to watch my game of thrones and i can't watch hbo go without my live subscription so uh um and you, you can't know, do it on your playstation so yeah not yet at least not yet. um and there's so many other things that i stream on there like there's the stars and the, the uh, different channels to shows that i watch there's, i i i'm becoming one of those people who basically just uses their xbox to stream movies and things yep um but it kept me from dropping my subscription because i kind of need it well you know if they make it to where you know hbo go and all this stuff you no longer need a subscription well considering I pretty much never get on with friends that much anymore, it seems like. I could very well go the other way. And not to mention also the fact that PlayStation Plus does give out a lot better games than Xbox Gold. I could definitely consider, you know, switching over. So, hmm. You know, we may we may convince you to just go through the rebate process to see how it happens. And if you end up wanting to keep it, then you can just, re- you just yeah. buy another one <laughs> afterwards just to we'll see, see how successful yeah. they are. But, it uh, depends on it. They've only put out a couple of apps that are, are included in this whole where you don't need the subscription. Yeah. But an interesting thing, a lot of people have started to wonder um, because, uh, you know, Bethesda went to Microsoft because of you know, Elder Scrolls Online. They wanted to make it to where people who did not have an Xbox Live Gold subscription could still play the game online um you know because they have a subscription because they have to pay well. a subscription so fee, they're not yeah. making people pay double so now the fact that they're making it to where these apps are available without a subscription would make you kind of wonder if they would do the same however i kind of doubt it because i feel like with these apps you know one of the things they said was the fact that you can access these anywhere you know you don't have to have an xbox to watch netflix or, or youtube or whatever right right um but with you know Elder Scrolls Online, you can only play that through a gaming system, whether it be a computer, or a PlayStation, or an Xbox. Right. Um, you have to have one of those. So I feel like they would be less likely to say okay to that. The only reason I might see them doing it is if maybe you know PlayStation does it first. If PlayStation says, hey, you don't have to be a Plus member in order to play Elder Scrolls Online on a PS4, then they Xbox might go, well, you know, we thought about it, and you know. Right. So well, we'll just have to see. And I but. think it it'll somewhat be determined on who's who's paying for the server space for those games. I don't know if that's it. Like yeah. Microsoft is running the Titanfall servers, but you know, maybe if Bethesda is the one running the Elder Scrolls, then maybe Microsoft doesn't care. But if they have to pay for the 
the storage and they have to pay for the servers. If they're charging a monthly fee, they would have to be doing something with You'd that You'd think so, right? Fee, that's, so. What's, that's what you're paying with an MMO. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Maybe they can pull it off. So, we'll see. And I think that was part of Bethesda's argument for making it to where the game would not require a live subscription is because of the fact that they have a subscription fee, so they're taking care of all that stuff. So right. I think Microsoft... So why would you make people pay for this? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, so, well, to hmm. make money. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like they're businesses or something. Yeah, I know. It's like they're just trying to get through the world. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, lots of interesting stuff happening over there with Microsoft, so we'll just have to wait and kind of see how that all goes, and, you know, who knows? They might actually be able to convince one of us to buy a next-gen console. We'll see. We'll see. Um, well, and anything, I'm, I'm putting know, my hat up there and... now. I'm, I'm already – I've got the uphill battle of – convincing you guys to join me in ps4 land at some point which you know that's not an argument yet because i'm not even there but no even i said i might consider going playstation for the next gen but we'll just have to wait and see i don't know you know i got christmas coming up maybe one of us will get lucky and have somebody be really nice (laughs) give one of us fifteen hundred dollars and we'll just give the thousand away to the other two yeah that'll that'll happen that'd be nice i wasn't even going that i was just looking for something for me i don't care about you guys (laughs) you guys are on your own that's right but, uh, well, uh, lots of interesting stuff, so we'll just have to kind of keep you guys informed. But um, that's actually going to be it for us tonight. Uh, hopefully, we'll be coming back to you pretty soon, and also hopefully Jared will be able to uh, join us, although we understand that he's going to be quite busy with a new addition to his family. So um, we'll just, you know, hope for the best for them, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to him again soon. Yep. But um, for the used gamers, uh, we're going to call it a night. So my name is Mike. And I'm Chris. And we'll just talk to you guys next time. See you later. Bye-bye. All right. I'm going to let you go because i got to go resolve this whole Mage Templar thing.